I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Supercoach Edge, where we bring you all of the insight, analysis and the edge for season 2021. My name's Damon and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Liam. Now, it seems like a weekly occurrence that I lead off with this, but uh, Liam, I'm going to ask you again, how did you survive the weekend? Um, I didn't. <laughs> you did <laughs> Just straight up, straight up. If it wasn't for that win by the Dons on the weekend, uh, which was lovely, I, I reckon I just... I just would have given up on Supercoach. Would have given up on footy. But you're here. You've, uh, you've, you've butted up. You've backed I have, up. I have. Um, even though um, fortunes in Super... <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame <laughs> you. I'm usually in your position um, in seasons gone by. And uh, like I mentioned to you off air, that uh, even though I'm still alive in, I think, five cash leagues, my motivation levels have actually dipped. And I don't know if it's like just seeing it like, you know, the fun of just going onto Twitter and having discussions with people and, mm. you know, everyone just talking about, oh, who's your captaincy option and stuff like it. It does weigh you down a little bit. So I, um, I, I think I sympathize with you. Yeah. I mean, at least your team's flying, which uh, does, should, should help. I mean, my team's, uh, my team's barely off the ground. Um, <laughs> Taking just a little bit, a slight dip. A slight dip is a <laughs> nosedive from a not very high up, uh, which is what's most concerning. I was going to say, your altitudes are really high, but now you're saying you're only just like, you know, not even off the ground. No, I wasn't even off the ground. Not good enough. Oh, well, too many passengers. If, <laughs> if that's the case, like, I guess the crash shouldn't be too bad. Oh, I don't, yeah. 
dead hopefully you'd hope so uh yes there's uh much to discuss uh thank you for those of you who have uh who are still on the ride with us and uh tuning in so uh we'll try and get you up and about um and i'll try and get you up and about as well liam uh as we delve into the episode but uh before we jump into discussing round 21 let's let listeners know as to where they can find us across our social channels of course perfect on twitter you'll find us at at supercoach underscore edge damon at at damon j88 myself at at liam evans underscore 95 and on Facebook and on Insta. Just search Supercoach Edge and you'll find us there. Yeah, so let's move on. It's going to be a, a pretty uh, snappy show, yeah. I think, compared to our previous um, <laughs> iterations because, uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably less and less to discuss now that there's only two weeks of the home away season to go. But uh, let's delve into the first segment, our usual segment, where the loser of the week in our head-to-head gets to kick off the segment. And it is the good, the bad and the ugly. Yes, in the good, the bad, the ugly, we run through a quick recap of how our respective teams have performed in the previous week and the players that stood out for both good and some bad reasons. <laughs> uh, yes, the bad reasons. <laughs> Let's just jump in. As, as, as always, the person that kicks off this week is the loser. I am the loser. I'm feeling it really devastated um but let's just jump into my my score and i really just don't want to talk about my team anymore at all it's another week of subpar scoring for my side with a score of 2237 and as i mentioned earlier too many passages again this week i slipped down the ranks again down to 4255 overall and bombed out of both my cash leagues against us relatively strong competition with some with some really good scoring i reckon the element of them we talk about super coach and, and luck yeah. the element of luck especially in head-to-head finals mm. is something that i found in previous seasons has always gone against me and i've actually had a little bit of luck in both like i'll delve into it when i go through yeah. my analysis but like the guys that you matched up against i think they ended up what was this? they scored like 2500 or something yeah and that's just ridiculous. Like, that's a really, really good score and probably the top 1% or thereabouts. So, um, yeah, I think you were super unlucky there. Yeah, it was it was hard. It was a hard weekend, I will be honest. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, for the rest of the season, I guess, from here, obviously with no, no, no cash leagues and no finals to consider, uh, focus is just going to be on pushing up those ranks as much as I can. Uh, obviously, with no trades left, using both those captaincy choices and potentially using uh, some loophole options to cover for injured players, but also uh, just just to try and be a bit sneaky with uh, optimizing mm. my score. I think we'll we'll run through a bit of the strategy around that, Damon, uh, later in the episode. Yeah. Now, quickly onto my trades. With my two remaining trades and two do-or-die finals on the line, I decided to punt out the out-of-form at the time, Taranto, and Pies rookie Bianco, who was dropped. Uh, for the Saints big man, Rowan Marshall and my mobs, Durham, I think is how it's pronounced. Yep, let's sure go with that. Durham. Yeah, Durham, I think I've always read it. Like, you know, you got that inner voice. yeah. At least I do. I think that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is. I, at least, at least my so. voice sounds like uh, Sammy Walsh for some reason. I don't know, oh. I don't know why, but <laughs> but yeah. Whenever I read Durham, the, the word Durham, I say Durham. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm yeah, let's sure. just roll with that. Yeah. I don't think we're chatting about him too much this week, so <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty much the end of it. Uh, so I think that every Toronto owner out there can just just thank me. I traded him out. I'm thanking you. Yeah. Yep. It was it was the week you'd expect him to be back in the middle. I mean, it was, to be honest, I didn't, uh, I, 
I don't want to say I didn't want to trade him out because I did. Um, but it was more so a percentage play to move him on. Neither of my opponents had him. Um, and it was a bigger risk holding him than trying to trade him out to Marshall, who both my opponents had. I mean, in doing so, I obviously copped losing out on a player that would have probably helped me if I could have traded out Bolton as well. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it was more the percentage play. And in the long run, I think it should work out. I mean, what are the chances that he... he comes out of laying no tackles to, you know, pumping out. Was it nine? Yeah. As you kind of said, I just think luck didn't play into my side, but I saw it coming a little bit that he was going to have an increased role in the middle. Um, So there was always that risk. I mean, it's, it's what I had to do in the end. Um, But anyway, moving on to my scores for the round, there's not too many goods on my field this round. Uh, Top scoring uh, was obviously Jackson McRae, who, I ended up captaining uh, with the 154, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other tons in my side this round were Seagull Lloyd, uh, Whitfield, Laird, Zeret, Grundy, Hall, and newbie Rowan Marshall. Uh, some notable mentions I will put out there is Matty Kennedy. Good on him. Score of 90. <laughs> Credit where credit's due. I have been harsh on him in recent weeks. Um, and he has bounced back in, in the last two, so I'm pretty happy with that. And I'm going to put it here. I'm going to say Darcy Parrish. He scored 96. Looking at his stats, to be honest, I think he was probably treated a little bit harshly. Yep. Um, I think his score should have been probably closer to 105, 110. Um, but... Yeah, I was surprised as well when yeah, I saw it. Yeah, he scored a goal, had quite a few clearances, took a, only the one mark, um, only the one tackle, I think, off memory, and then had more handballs than kicks. That's probably what, what really affected him. But He had uh, three more contested possessions than anyone else mm. for Essendon. He had nine clearances, which was three more than anyone else. Disposal efficiency of 75. Kicked a, a ripping goal. Yeah, it was um, good goal. Tied on the boundary. It was really good. Um, and yeah, he only scored 15 points more than his um, dream team or AFL fantasy points. So yeah, I was I was really surprised. I thought he would yeah. have at least cracked 100 um, yeah. and pushed up towards 110. So yeah, I thought he was really hard done by, I think. Yeah, I personally agree with that too. I think potentially, as we sort of stated last week, there was going to be a lot of points to the midfield in that game. Yep. You've got McRae, Parrish, Merritt and Bontempelli. But yeah, so I think, yeah, he's, he's, I put him into the good because I think he was harshly dealt with by a champion. Yeah, I totally agree. But anyway, onto the bads. I'm probably going to be pretty harsh here, I reckon. In the bad column, I do have Walsh's 86. Yep. No, I agree. Um, uh, I don't know. It feels harsh giving someone that almost scored 90 in the bad, but I expect better from him. I expect better. He's, he's, he's a victim of his own standards. Uh, <laughs> we've got shorts, 85 dunks, 75, uh, Jay-Z's 84 and Gorney's 91 as well. I'm going to say yeah. that only 100s from my Ruckman. Yes. Um, <laughs> it looks a bit off, doesn't it? When you, when you look down your team and you're, you're just expecting a hundred yeah. week after week. I mean, with, with the Gorney combo, mm. you expect nothing less. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah, I just don't think any of the scores were acceptable, um, to be honest, especially on the ver- – oh, in finals, in finals. You've got to be peaking now, guys. Yeah. Um, in the ugly column, I've got a few standouts. Uh, one, and I will say that is through no fault of his own, it's obviously Patrick Dangerfield, uh, subbed out on 21 and obviously pe- also potentially missing this week. Mm. Um, that's obviously no, through fo- no fault of his own, just an ugly incident. Um, the other is Shea Bolton with a 66, who again, didn't show nearly enough considering his potential. 
Uh, also, Caleb Daniel, whose role changed yet again. <laughs> Gee, like, seriously. Well, just, uh, come on, Bevo. And finally, I have myself. Oh, I have myself. I put myself in the ugly column wow. in the search for some points um, and trying to make up some points against the uh, against the opponents. I decided to, I don't know, I don't know if it was risk versus reward, but I benched Stephen May uh, for oh, Kieran yep. Briggs's eighty six. Uh, I did think it would be the percentage play, but boy, was I wrong. Um, it wasn't that many points. It was only, it was like only nine, 19, 19 points. points. But yeah. It could have been a very good move had May sort of been scoring around what he had been. In your shoes, I probably would have done the same thing as well. Like, we're talking here in terms of trying to get the leg up over your head-to-head opponent in finals. And it's almost what you've got to try and do when you're out of trades yeah. and you're out of options in terms of... Because did he have May, your opponent? Yeah, both of them had May. Yeah, yeah. So like, I guess that's probably one strategy yeah. you can take, and that comes with that a high risk, high reward. Yeah, and that like it completely makes sense. Some people out there will be thinking like, "What the fuck? Why would you do that?" But like, you're banking on potentially May getting injured, which he does have a history of doing. Yeah. Um, knock on wood that he doesn't <laughs> going forward in a couple of weeks. But um, that it totally makes sense as to why he did it. And looking at his last four scores um, this year, it was a 92, uh, 67, 62, and 90. So you're looking at sort of six points off his highest score in the last four weeks. Yeah. So it was kind of, I was not assuming, but like if he scored that 67, 62 range, I'd be banking, you know, 20 odd points, um, yeah. which could have, counts. could have helped, could have helped. It's, a, it's essentially a 20 point turnaround as well, um, which could have been something, but uh, obviously wasn't. Um, but it's, yeah. it's sort of also like the swings and roundabouts, as we spoke about, like Dane, I moved Dangerfield into my midfield. who scored 21 when I could have kept Taranto, traded potentially Bolton and I don't know, brought in a non-playing rookie um, to bring in Marshall. Um, yep. So like, it's all perfect in hindsight. I mean, Taranto could have not laid a tackle and scored another 50 and it would have been, I don't know, uh, much better. Yeah. I think it totally makes sense like to trade out Taranto because I know like you're sort of um, bouncing ideas off me, whether it be Bolton or Taranto. And it's like, well, you couldn't really do Bolton in terms of trying to get Marshall in. You needed to use the two trades in order to get the money to do it. And it's like, well, Taranto suspected injury has been down on performances in, you know, at least the, the past month and was coming off the back of scores of 53 and 57. And like that there is just really hard luck, I think, because there's no way they'd be able to come up against Geelong as well. Like arguably the most informed team of the competition at the moment at Caninia Park and it's like, yeah, yeah, like there's no way that you can predict him coming out and scoring 118, laying nine tackles where he had scored zero in the past fortnight. Like there's, that's just really, really terrible luck. And I think there's probably more likelihood of him actually coming out and continuing that, that score of 50 odd. And I know people out there will probably say, yeah, but like he was guaranteed time in the middle. It's like, well, I mean... When he was playing time in the middle, he wasn't actually converting scores like he did on the weekend. Um, So it was very much out of the box game anyway, even though he was getting extra CBAs off the back of injuries to other giants in the engine room. So um, yeah, I think it's just really bad luck in that case there. Ideally, what I probably could have done is seen if I could have traded Bolton instead, um, using Marshall in another trade, and then held Taranto for that first game um, to see, you know, looped him in to see what he scored and then and then go from there. But, uh, oh well. Because that, that's the thing, like, it, it made it hard as well and you're backed into a corner there because Taranto was playing first, first up. Yeah. 
because I was thinking about that in terms of when you're asking me as well. I'm like, well, could you potentially put Taranto on the bench, screen his score like what I did, and then trade someone else to fund an upgrade of Bolton to Marshall? And there wasn't any other way to do it, like unless you're trading someone like a Dunkley direct to Marshall. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. There's there's no other way that you could have done it, I think. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Um, so in terms of my performance on the weekend, so I ended up finishing with uh, 2,326, which uh, seemed slightly under par given my rank slid again. Um, swear to God. 121 spots to have me now sitting ranked 3,801st overall. So I'm clinging on to a spot inside the top 4K. <laughs> I was hopeful that I would uh, try and go up a few ranks, but um, as it seemed that a lot of people didn't... Um, didn't fare as bad as what we did um, on the weekend, mm. unfortunately. But um, on the cash league front, which is obviously where attention is turned, uh, I ended up was like I mentioned to you, I was very uh, very fortunate in terms of the three semifinals that I was in um, because I ended up playing yeah guys that scored less than my two thousand three hundred twenty six. Whereas if I was matched up with guys like you were, I would have been bundled out. So uh, yeah, I ended up facing a guy. I think he ended up scoring two thousand. 298 Ooh, or something um, nice. he dealt with uh, an injury I think he may have potentially had Mills oh. so I was very fortunate there where he had to play a rookie in his place so that kind of saved me otherwise he would have definitely beaten me um, and then the other two semi-finals I, um, I yeah was matched up with other opponents that um I think another one had Neil and then the other guy I just ended up beating. Um, so yeah, I was very fortunate there. So combined with the two qualifying finals that I ended up winning in the uh, first week of finals, I now face off in five prelim finals. Very, um, so very nice. Hopefully my uh, my luck can carry forth and, um, so. and go through. Because I actually... I don't think I've made a grand final. Um, and, and one of those leagues as well, mind you, is my $100 league, uh, which I've been bundled out since inception. I haven't <laughs> actually won. And I don't think I've faced off in the grand final. So uh, that will be a feather in my cap if I can at least get through to the grand final in my league. But uh, yeah, I was hoping that um, that you could go through in that league as well. But you were matched up on the other side of the draw. I and was. We would have actually, yeah, we'd have had a grand final between the two of us if we, uh, yeah. if we both got through the whole way. It would have nice. would have been nice, but um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, in terms of uh, trades, as we've got listed there in the run sheet, uh, obviously got no trades. So um, I'm just praying to the gods that uh, Danger comes back and and Walshy, my boy, uh, can can um, recover from his ankle tweak that he had on the weekend. Uh, in terms of the good. Uh, in terms of that uh, that boy Walshy, uh, I took a punt on him as my VC, which unfortunately didn't work out. But I was quite fortuitous in the sense that I opted. Uh, I turned to my ever reliable <laughs> man in steel, who scored a whopping 155. And as it turned out, uh, just thinking back to last week's episode, Steel and McRae were both of our top options, mm. and uh, we spoke about them really highly. So hopefully, uh, you guys and girls listening out there um, heeded our advice and uh, and jumped on either of those two bandwagons, and uh, hopefully they delivered some nice scores for you in terms of uh, you know finals matchups. In terms of other decent scorers, uh, like yourself, um, at the Seagull, uh, Whitfield, May, Laird, Zeret, uh, Grundy, and Hall, who all did well, and uh, Taranto, who um, I... Like, if I had a trade, like, mm. you saw how scathing I was last week on both Taranto and uh, the other front runner in, uh, <laughs> in whatever his name is, Bolton. Um, I've forgotten his name already. 
Uh, I would have definitely used yeah. one of my trades on Taranto. So I would have been in the exact same position as you. So again, talking about luck, uh, I was just very lucky that I had no trades at my sleeve mm-hmm. because I would have used one definitely on Taranto. But yes, he did pull his f- finger out and um, delivered a 118. Or should I say, Leon Cameron pulled his finger out and actually gave Taranto some CBAs and put him in that that position to score as well as he did. So thankful there. In terms of the bad, uh, Jay-Z only managed 84, which is down on sort of uh, prior form for him. Jordan Degoe also slowed up after a uh, hot start to uh, only finish on 85. In terms of the ugly uh, danger, yes, unfortunately finds himself here, like you said, Liam, through no fault yeah. of his own. I uh, should probably replace him, having said that, with the ever clumsy Toby <laughs> Green in his spot, um, given that he was the one who uh, ended up cutting his, uh, his night short because of the incident that he was involved in. But... Um, Yes, the other one, the other man I just spoke of, Bolton, continues to disappoint with a 66. And it's it's almost, it's very funny, isn't it? Like, it's so often spoken about in footy circles about players playing for another contract. Mm, yeah. It's almost like a coincidence that he, like leading up to his next contract with Richmond, he was killing it. And ever since he signed another contract, he has gone to absolute <laughs> shit. So it's almost like he's just put his arms behind his head, kicked back and is like, yep, don't worry, all good now. Got another contract. I can just do fuck all and, and just get paid for it. And it's, it's a, I wonder mm. if it's actually a, like a subconscious thing with players. It's just like... I do wonder, yeah. Because it happens quite frequently, like in, yeah. in the other side of the coin, which you just spoke about, where players are playing for another contract and they just pull fucking blinders out of their hat. To be honest, it's actually why I picked Merritt this year. That's why I started yeah, Merritt. Yeah, that's true. No, I remember you saying that, yeah. I said contract year, I think he's going to... Like, we didn't know if he was going to re-sign with Essendon. Could have been going off to free agency. Um, just needed to play his trade and uh, smash it. So, uh I do think it's it's something that you should consider um, yeah. in that sense. Um, I just hope that it's probably re-sign until the end of the season. Yeah. And he's probably, having said that, he's probably one who's bucked the trend because since he has re-signed, he's, he's, he's carried on his, yeah. um, his form. Um, but probably in that case probably speaks more to the yeah to the character of the of the player <laughs> more than anything without throwing too many more barbs uh, Bolton's way. I think it does factor in to some extent. But yeah, definitely something to... Um, to maybe discuss in the um, the last episode, projecting forward into into season twenty twenty two. Definitely interesting. Um, but let's um, let's move on to the um, the other disappointing score uh, was Daniel, um, as you said, fifty five. Um, but probably blame should be leveled squarely at um, at his coach in Bevo. Don't know what he does with Daniel. He's played, as we said in previous episodes, he's played in almost every position bar the ruck. Um, so yeah, come on, Bevo, do it. Very yeah, just do it. Just to end the year before you at least head into finals. You might actually imagine if he uncovers that he's he's like another he's a great ruckman. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be amazing. It could be a, you know, a, what's his name? Grig, was it? Grig, yeah, yeah Grig. from Richmond. Yeah, amazing. But um, yeah, just in terms of uh, Bolton, luckily I had Briggs uh, up my sleeve, so I ended up looping his score nice. into my side over, uh, over Bolton, but it was a bit of a risk because I did have to yeah. weigh up whether or not Bolton could score more than Briggs's 86, I think he scored. Um, and then I was like, oh, you know what? Oh, sorry, I'll look past the man who's been in terrible form, and that was Bolton. So thankfully, I locked in Briggs' score and ended up um, getting 20 points extra, which actually helped me, I think, win one of my league games. So um, 
Very, it was very, very, um, nice. very lucky there. Well, let's move on to the running tally. And, you know, we talk about miracles in uh, in football more broadly, but also in Supercoach. And I remember back to three weeks ago where I was saying, I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry to harp on about it, but I should bring it up. Three weeks ago, I was... I said the only way that I can beat you is I need to win three games on the trot. Yeah. And the points differential at that stage three weeks ago was 310. Yeah. And you had a couple of trades up your sleeve and I was all out of trades and I had to believe in a miracle. And I do believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. Where are you from? <laughs> Oh, well, yes, I ended up uh, winning my third match on the trot to take the outright lead for the first... Oh, this is the first time this season? Yeah, it is. Gee whiz. And uh, I've turned around a point differential of 310 points from three weeks ago to now sit one win ahead with a 79-point buffer. Jeez, I've done a bit of a thief job here, I reckon. Just a bit of a snatch and grab. It's absolute dark robbery. No, no, you've... It's been a great effort. It's actually been... I think it was actually quite funny. I think a few weeks ago we said... You could even. You said to me off air. I think I can even it up. I need to win three in a row. I can even yep. it up, um, but I won't be outright leader because you'll have the points. Yeah, and that was very not right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like a real. And I, I mean, no disrespect here, but it's kind of like one of those Stephen Bradbury things. Where oh, it's true. Like I've fallen over on the line, <laughs> and it just comes skating through. Yeah, with but, my uh, arms in the air, like a couple of absolute shockers. I yep. planned this. I planned it. <laughs> a couple of absolute shockers um, in my recent weeks. Uh, just I feel like it's just a case of half my team fires and then the other half just doesn't turn up. Yep. And it just keeps flipping every week as to which team, which players it is. So hopefully in the next two weeks, let's let's see them all fire at once. Well, well now that uh, we've got the likes of, hopefully Brees can keep his spot. So at least that's one guy that you can try and loop in, depending on the fixture, of yeah. course, which I don't think they've announced as we're recording this. Nah, at least not, they haven't on Tuesday night. But um, yeah, you've got Briggs there who you can loop in over that dumbass Bolton. Sorry, Matt, if you're listening, but in terms of super coach sense, you're a dumbass. Um, and then you've also got um, the likes of maybe Bianco if he comes back into the side. Um maybe try and loop in a few loopholes that we can uh, look at so So hopefully yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see I reckon it's I'm I'm, I'm calling it now that I know I've been saying it that you're you're going to win every second game and I've bucked the trend Um, but I reckon it's not over yet I'm only a game ahead 79 points is like an easy margin to make up within one week as you saw with my one week that I made up what was it 200 and odd points so (sighs) Yeah, it's not all over. And you've got Marshall up your sleeve, who I don't have. Um, I know Hopefully, I've got Taranto yeah. up my sleeve, who you don't have now, but... Taranto. Taranto better go back to the forward line. <laughs> well, Kelly should return this week, so yeah, your wish may be granted. Yeah, but Kelly's now signed, got his, triggered his eight-year oh. contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tyler, he may go back to water now. He's like, Bloody yeah, hell. you know what? I've got, like... What's... He's literally, he's like 27 or something now, 28. Yeah. Like, he's going to be, it's, bloody hell. Well, he's going to play until he's 34, 35. Bloody hell. Jeez, maybe I should pull on the boots. I've got a chance. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sign a 10-year contract. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on. I'm sure a lot of people are, are sick of hearing about our, um, our team. So let's have a look back at uh, all the happenings from the round that was by discussing the hottest topics, players, and everything in between in the week that was. I don't care. Thursday, never looking back, it's Friday. 
semi-final week kicked off with a scare uh, that reverberated across the competition this week with um, Paddy Dangerfield having his night called early against the Giants in the first match of the round due to an incident with uh, Toby Green that did send him to hospital. Um, no word on whether he'll play this week. He has been no. discharged, drove home from drove home from hospital on, I think, the Saturday. Yep. Um, but, yeah, no word um, with... I think he had a bruised windpipe off memory. Yeah. Um, wow. So potentially plays, potentially doesn't. You don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on him playing. So yeah, just just keep that in mind. Um, those also with the likes of Neil, though Josh Kelly and Callum Mills had to deal with their absence in their sides in a final. Yeah. With the former two being ruled out for the round and the latter a late late out on game day. In terms of other injuries to some key players in-game, Shannon Hearn sustained a hamstring injury that also cut his night short. So very unfortunate. Hopefully mm. all those guys, Dangerfield, Neil, Josh Kelly, Mills, and Shannon Hearn can be back out on the park soon. I think Josh Kelly and Neil you'd expect to be back definitely this week. Callum Mills, I think mm, potentially not. I think they might rest him up. Yeah. Um, and then Dangerfield probably a 50-50, I'd say. Um I'd expect him not to play. Yeah, with with Mills, like, because I think he's got an Achilles injury, like, those ones, you don't want to progress into something more yeah. fierce, I guess. And, like, Sydney have already qualified for the final, so you'd think that they're going to wrap him in cotton wool. Um, playing North. And playing North, yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, they can win, the play, win with the players they've got in the park without him. So, yeah, unfortunate for those people who do have Mills. Um, but, yeah, he might be someone, if you do happen to miraculously have a trade up your sleeve, that you may have to use a trade on. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, like you said, Neil, Kelly should make the returns. And yeah. hopefully Dangerfield makes his way back into, into sides as well. Because for those of us without trades, yeah, it's going to be slim pickings um, <laughs> to try and cover him. That's for sure. I'm already doing the maths on a... How that's going to work. Yeah, and Shannon Hearn as well, I think, given if it is a hamstring strain, yeah, you'd I think, think that'll be, that's that'll going be to be it. season. Um, or at least regular season anyway, regular yeah. super coach season. Potentially back for finals if they if they make it. Yeah, yeah, who knows if they do. Um, but uh, moving on to uh, another guy that we spoke of just before that I spoke of, mm. Timmy Taranto. He did headline those who rose from the ashes like Lazarus after finally being played in a position he excels in the engine room to produce a handy 118 points. Take note, Leon. Uh, most telling was the fact he laid a whopping nine tackles after laying zero across the previous two weeks. Now that there is like troll levels set to expert right there. I'm still taking requests for thanks to all those train drivers out there. <laughs> thank you, Liam. On behalf of everyone else out there, <laughs> thank you. I think single-handedly you uh, you won me at least a couple of those, um, oh, those semifinals that I was in. So um, thank you. And thank you to Timmy Taranto out there. And apologies <laughs> if I was a bit harsh on you. Or maybe he responded to our rocket. Maybe, maybe. I mean, they do tend to. Maddie, Maddie Kennedy, Langford well, at least kind Bolton of does. Didn't. Bolton doesn't, yeah. Bolton, Bolton's not a listener. Doesn't no, listen. No, it doesn't listen. Get out of here, Bolton. Don't worry, we'll cover you with Briggs, mate. You. Um, <laughs> Zorko was, uh, was another who had his own Lazarus moment returning to form with 139, who, yeah, he's had a, a very much a, a, a downer in, in recent weeks. And I was, I was relishing not having him because I thought, Heading into the final, I was thinking about players that, you know, sliding doors moments and stuff that I could have got in. And, you know, I think it was between Hall and and, um, and Zorko. 
And it only come off the back of scores of 74, 86, 86. And I was like, yep, thankful not to have him. And then he comes out with 139. And I was like, well, there we go. That's, um, mm. uh, that would have uh, been nice to have. So owners of Zorko are counting their blessings there, I'm sure. And um, yes, we've got a triple header. Not in terms of matches, but uh, at the tribunal tonight uh, with two of the three players uh, super coach relevant. And one of those was Toby Green, who challenged his striking charge uh, and the two-week ban that was, uh, I guess, handed his way. And it was, unfortunately, downgraded, or fortunately, maybe, depending how you look at it, yeah, and whether or not you own him. It was downgraded to one week, which I think is is probably a bit more reasonable. Yeah. um, And going off the injury reports with, with Dangerfield and stuff. And it is unfortunate. I do feel sorry for Green in a sense. Like, we spoke about it off air, um, and we won't try and go into too much of a tangent, but no. spoke about it off air, just talking about whether or not it was, you know, a Dusty Martin in in Green's boots. Like, if he, given that he fends off all the time, if he was fending off and fended off with the same, I guess, action. velocity and yeah. action as Green, would Dusty have been given a week? Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, something to think about, I think. Something to ponder. Um, but something else to ponder as well and something else which has got got up both of our... Um, what's the word? Goats. It's <laughs> <laughs> got up my goat. Go up your, up your goat. Is yeah, it's that a thing? Yeah, is up it? your <laughs> goat. Yeah, get up your goat. Up your goat. Yeah, up your goat. Who's got a pet goat? To make someone ang- annoyed or angry. Yeah, okay. Just had to Google that. A couple of other things, because we don't want to say, make sure that it's goat, not sheep, because it could be misinterpreted as something else. So Mason Redmond, uh, who was involved in uh, that famous tackle now on Bont, and uh, he was handed a free kick against him. So the free kick went to, went to Bont. He, he tackled him to the ground and... Unfortunately, later tackle that was uh, that was seen as uh, rough conduct, and was charged as so. Um, and Mason Redmond challenged it, and he was he was charged on the basis that it was officiated as as medium as opposed to to graded as low. And I'm very thankful because uh, the defence for Redmond said to the AFL that it's the onus is on you to come back and prove why you have graded it as medium because Bontempelli got straight up, took the kick and played on for the rest of the match without any ill effects, mm. whether it be um, even delayed. There was none in terms of that. There was no concussion, nothing of that kind. And somehow they've graded it as medium. And they came back, said, no, we can't. Um, define it as being medium, so we'll downgrade it as low. And therefore, Redmond got off the charge, and I think he's been uh, charged with um, just a fine. I think it's about two thousand dollars or something. But again, leads to that back to that point, and it's something I had a massive Twitter spat with other people as well about this. And I said that it, it comes down to the fact that there are players in the competition, and Bontempelli is one of them, unfortunately, that are really looked after. And we can just quickly look back at uh, that elbow charge um, that uh, Buddy Franklin was involved in. And he was given, was it a week? And then it went to appeal and it was downgraded and he got off. If, uh, like you said, if the shoe was on the the other foot, if Bont was the one applying the tackle on Redmond, Mm -hmm. I don't think this would have gone to the tribunal at all. There's no way. There's absolutely no way that... No, it's no, it wouldn't have even just gone to the tribunal. It wouldn't have been... Cited at it all. It wouldn't have been a week. Yep. It would not have been a week. He would have at most got a fine because 
they wouldn't want him to risk a brown low yep. on that. And I know the people out there are thinking like this doesn't happen, but there's this just way too many instances where this has happened where it just points you in that direction where you think, okay, well, it has to have some sort of merit. On the weekend, Joel Selwood, if you have a look at the footage, lined up Sam Taylor from the Giants, ran past the ball, had his eyes on Taylor the entire time, that there is a tick, tick, and tick, that there should have been cited, that there should have been given at least a week. But also based off the AFL's own criteria, but also what they spoke about in the um, in the tribunal. Yep. like. Gleason says the real problem with the impact is the potential for a neck or spinal injury. So is it the potential for injury or is it the actual injury that's in, that occurs that's important? And I think that's that's the key issue that I see there. Um, we're not talking in this case. They're saying, oh well, we have to consider the potential for injury, yeah. um, which you've got to you can't deny was there with Selwood as well. Yeah, exactly right. Like that was a the full like they had multiple angles of it where he literally made full-on contact with his, like, I guess, side of his arm, his bicep, tricep, whatever, full-on into the head of Sam Taylor, sustains the hit, goes down straight away. And I know, like, the AFL are trying to deny that they don't do it, but, like, if he got concussed, only then would you say that uh, that Selwood would be cited. And yep. it's like it almost needs to get to that point in order for guys of that profile to be cited. And then, like, the other thing as well, which really, really annoyed me was Gleason of the AFL was quoted as saying, just in terms of uh, talking about whether or not Bontempelli had any ill effects. And part of their grading of um, reckless conduct is the player, in terms of getting a head-high hit, if they get a head-high hit, get up, and they can't take the hit or they can't partake in any play from then on, then obviously it's graded as, like, there is some sort of... I guess, injury to come out of it. Now, there wasn't for Bontempelli. He got straight up, took his kick, played out the rest of the match, and no ill effects. Now, Gleason is quoted as saying, the level of impact can't depend on the resolve or fortitude of the victim. Bontempelli is a remarkable player who it seems would be almost anything other than show he suffered pain. But you can be satisfied he suffered pain. Uh, what? So they're going by the profile of the player again. Yeah. They're making guesswork as to whether or not he actually suffered pain, despite the fact that he played out the game, took the kick straight away. And then in the next breath, he's saying that he's satisfied that he suffered pain. Mm. It's like when you start entering into guesswork, which like if you were to do that in in the field of law, that wouldn't that wouldn't hold up. Like you got you got to do it on solid evidence, medical reports. That's why the, the tribunal looks at these things. That was their basis of it being graded as a medium grade. And that there, you can't base it off of guesswork. Like, it just, it really does annoy me. Like, we could talk about this for, yeah. for hours on end, but it plays into the, the fact that it depends on the player profile involved in the incident. And if the player in question, whether it be a Bontempelli who's going for a Brownlow or a Franklin that is potentially in line to kick his, you know, thousandth goal, or a Selwood <laughs> who they you know, they are renowned for looking after and never get cited because he's seen as a good player of the competition. Like, it's just it's just ridiculous. As I said, I think I've said to you multiple times, if we reverse the roles, if Redmond's being tackled by Bontempelli, exact same situation, exact same outcome. I don't think Redmond gets the free kick mm. and I don't think that Bontempelli gets cited. Yeah, and they, they and again, like they graded at medium impact on the basis of guesswork from Gleeson. Yeah. Saying that Bontempelli, in fact... 
suffered pain when he obviously didn't because he got up and played out the game. Yeah, if anyone wants to have a chat to us about it, have a, have a chat to us on, on Twitter um, or Facebook. But uh, let's move on because um, we're getting sidetracked. So the other incident was uh, was Frio's Andrew Brayshaw, and he is in a few teams. And he is currently... Let's have a quick look to see. Nah, nothing, is, no updates no yet. No updates. The jury is currently deliberating. Oh, okay. So we might be able to chime in later in the episode with, yeah, the, uh, keep an eye on with the update. But um, yeah, he was uh, he was challenging an eye contact ban uh, as, we, uh, yeah, as we record the podcast. So we'll keep you uh, abreast of, um, of the news as it comes in. Late breaking news. But uh, with that, let's move on to the uh, next segment. And it is, Liam. The price is right. The price is wrong, bitch. Yes, in The Price is Right, we would normally run through the top buy, sell, hold, and wait options for this round of Supercoach. However, now with prelims upon us, well, some of us, not all of us, mm. uh, we thought we'd run through a few options that may give you, again, dare I say it, the edge in the remaining oh, rounds. Oh, ding! <laughs> oh, I love doing that. I'll put my bell back um, again. Blowing off the dust. I didn't think I'd have to use it. <laughs> Why? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep using it. <laughs> if good. you are in the, the lucky position of having any trades left this round, then uh, we've got a few options for you. Uh, but obviously be mindful to watch out for players like Danger, Green, uh, Brayshaw and and the like and whether they'll end up missing this round if they're suspended injured which is the case for green and potentially brayshaw at this stage uh, move them on even if it's just the one week with only two games left it does mean that they're missing 50 percent of the remaining games for the season Mm. and it is no way worth holding them um but before we jump into our trade top trading options let's just have a bit of a chat about some strategy Mm. damon you're a big one on this and i think you've you've enlightened me and showed me the way um, with this one. So I'll let you explain it a bit more. And it's about using loophole options to your advantage. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think it's, it's probably something to to look at. And when you're at this stage of the season, and I think we've alluded to it in the past as well in terms of using trades, you know, when it gets to that stage of the year where there aren't any really good rookie options uh, on offer to downgrade to, uh, that's probably the moment to trade in uh, guys that you can loop in. And I mean, looking back to the start of the season, I ended up, I usually, I like to start with at least one loophole option who, you know, if they can play, if they're a dual position player, can play across multiple positions, multiple lines in this case, then that's even better. I started with uh, Saunders from the Hawks on the basis that Hawthorne had a majority of, uh, of Sunday matches. Yeah. Um, so it meant that, you know, if I wanted to loop a playing player onto the bench um, and then loop in that player score off the bench, I could use Saunders. Um, I also started with with Fife, um, who was Mm. in defense. Now, A5 from Gold Coast is a mid defender. Saunders is a mid forward. So at least that gave me coverage or loophole, um, I guess, options across all three lines. Um, And then I guess a classic example is on the weekend. So that's probably the easiest way to explain it. Madden, who, uh, if he was playing, would have been good. Um, I had him, as it were, at the start of the uh, the round in my forward line and I had Briggs in my defense. Now, Briggs and Madden are both forward defenders. And given that Briggs was playing the first game, he is a prime candidate to try and what I call screen their score. So you can have a look at their score whilst they're on your bench and if they score well enough then the other option on your bench who in this case I have Jay Edwards from North Melbourne in the forward line I was able then to loop in Briggs' score which was 86 which uh, it always helps I mean if a player is playing first up 
that uh, that's the easiest way to do it. Briggs ended up scoring an 86. And in this case, I had to decide between uh, either looping in Briggs' score by using the non-playing player from North Melbourne in Edwards. Uh, and then do I decide, do I take Briggs' score or do I roll the dice with Bolton? Now, I think there's probably some conjecture as to what point you loop in the score from the player that you've got on your bench. Um, in this case, Briggs scored an 86. And I thought, looking back at Bolton's scores, he hadn't really scored all that well in the past eight games, or seven games, up until the weekend. Mm-hmm. He, he only had one score over 107. And I thought my logic was, if he was to score 107, if that was his ceiling... Um, he was only going to score an extra 21 points over Briggs. And it's not the end of the world. So I thought, given Bolton's run of form, there is potentially a likelihood that he could score less than 86 and give me some extra points, which are really, really valuable, as we know, in finals. So I ended up doing that. Bolton scored a 66, Briggs scored an 86. So I ended up having that differential of 20 points up my sleeve. The other big one was uh, was Taranto and... Um, I mean, it helps as well. With guys who are out of form, yeah. and Taranto is a classic case of that, you know, I had him on my bench, didn't think he was going to score anything near 118, but on the off chance that he did score well, he was there on my bench. And I had opponents as well who actually had Taranto. And there were a couple of guys going into the round that I noticed they didn't have him on their bench. So if in the case Taranto did have a shit one and he was actually on their field and I've got Taranto on my bench... It means that I can loop in someone else's score over Taranto and I've already got a leg up over my opponent. They're stuck with him, yeah. Um, and in that case as well, because I had Saunders on my bench and Fife also on my bench, I was able to have Fife on field, loop in Taranto's score as my emergency and uh, and go from there. So in simplest terms, I guess that's, that's probably the way to do it. The one thing, though, is with you, Liam, in, in your case, you weren't able to do it in your forward line, were you, because you had a couple of players that were playing. Yeah, I got done over a little bit by Waterboy uh, being back in the side and McRae also being in. Um, yep. Next round, potentially, if Dangerfield misses, I might be able to do it. Um, but I'll also, yeah, be able to throw around the Magnets a little bit more now that there might be some more non-playing players. Um in my side Waterman's probably not sold on holding his spot um but I don't know who would come in for him um yeah but yeah I guess yeah that was that was the key issue so it's really about having that extra DPP or the extra non-playing player yeah I guess it like it you run the risk though as well like like we're saying it only really works if you have one player and then the other spot like in the forward and defense being the non-playing player in order to use that that loop yeah um for me so i've got like madden in defense and i have like a5 on my uh on my bench as well so if say for example madden played in the weekend and he scored 120 out of the box or something yeah it makes it more difficult because in defense i've got the likes of daniel lloyd whitfield short ridley and may so there isn't really a clear-cut I guess, option as to who you would take off in order to get Madden's score. Now, you'd be stupid to pass it up just on the basis of, oh, I've got these big names in defense. You'd, you'd, you'd need to do it, I think. Um, yeah. And that score, I think, the chances are that you, whoever you take off, they're not going to score more than that in that case. Um, but it's not as clear-cut or easy in, uh, in a lot of cases. That's to an extent what I had with my backline as well. 
yep. um, this round. So my back line is Daniel Lloyd, Whitfield, Short, Ridley, May. And then I had Briggs as 86 and Sharps uh, as my um, non-playing player. Um, so if you look at my field, so Whitfield had already played, Briggs had already played, um, and then I had to choose between Daniel, Lloyd, Short, Ridley, and May as to who would score less than Briggs. Yeah. Now, on, on past form, Daniel, like it's in the past few weeks, Daniel's scoring in the hundreds. Uh, so he scored, uh, he's coming off scores of uh, 145 and 128 going into the weekend. So risk risk taking, putting Briggs on, and Briggs is 86 on for Daniel. Obviously, in the end, it would have worked out. Yep. Lloyd, likewise, he hasn't been having a massive season, but he's sort of been around that 100 mark. Uh, Short was probably the one that I could have considered, um, but I think he's still been relatively serviceable. Yeah. Um, so it was a bigger risk there. Ridley, the same thing. I didn't think he'd be playing a shutdown role, so I wasn't too concerned there. Yeah. And then May was the one that probably made the most sense to me, as I said, hmm. um, in recent weeks. In his past four, sorry, in his past five weeks, his biggest score is a 92. Yeah. So it felt like the most logical option, which in the end it wasn't, but I mean, I didn't lose that many points. Yeah, and there's no way you're going to bench, like, it's easy in hindsight to say, oh, shit, I should have benched Daniel because yeah. he scored a 55. But like I said, he's, he came off scores of 145 and 128. So you're never going to do that. Um, so in that situation there, it comes down to a lot of guesswork. Whereas yeah. the easy option is if you've got someone out of form, like a Bolton in my case, there's yeah. no way I would have benched a Hall, a Dunkley, uh, a Dugowie or a Zeebel, um out of those yeah. options. Bolton was always the one I was going to do because he was out of form. And like I said, going through his past six, seven matches, um, his ceiling was 107 or thereabouts. And I was only going to lose a differential of, of 21 points uh, if he was able to match that score exactly. and have an out-of-the-box game. But all, uh, I guess, signs pointed to him having another downer. And yeah, I was I was uh, fortunate to bank an extra 20 points yes. there. But yeah, it's probably something that we could chat about uh, further as we review the season. And if anyone has any questions out there, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, um, or even email us um, when we read it out again. Because yeah, it is something when you're, when you're first starting out in Supercoach, it's a little bit hard to get your head around yeah. as to how to do it and then also why you do it um but yeah it probably i mean if, you, if you've got more depth the better but in this case i think and as the season progresses it gets to a point where you you don't have the amount of depth to then you know have enough coverage um and i think it's probably more advantageous in this case where you've got someone that you can screen the scores off yeah and then also have them av- as cover if there is a season-long injury in the last you know couple of rounds or three rounds of the seasons or whatever so yeah exactly um yeah it's something to think about and probably something we can delve into a bit more if people need us to or want us to yeah definitely we can chat about this more in the first podcast next season yes yes absolutely but let's move on to uh yeah. to some of the options that uh for those of you fortunate enough to have trades please give us some um <laughs> uh these are the options that uh, you may consider bringing into your side yeah, definitely. Let's kick off uh, with Lockie Whitfield. So we'll kick off with one from sort of each line, uh, except for the rucks, because they should be your set and forget. Uh, but we'll kick off with Lockie Whitfield in defense, uh, 494.9K, averaging 95.1, with an ownership of 16.1%. Um, at that price, Whitfield is a bargain for anyone looking to make a change in their defense. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty good price for someone of Whitfield's ceiling yep. um, and that's what we saw in round 19 against the Dons where he scored that 146 and let's be honest that could be a big difference in a final um, Yeah, especially if your opponent doesn't have him and he does also seemingly have a, a reasonable floor too uh, with most of his low scoring being in the 80s the mid 80s um, which 
looking at some of the scores that we've got across our, our back line um, isn't too too bad. Um, but is this sort of consistently hitting that that 90 to 100 mark in any case? Uh, he comes up against Richmond on the weekend, so there's absolutely no fear of a tag uh, this weekend. And then he faces Carlton without much to play for. I apologise for that, Damon. Uh, <laughs> but that may mean he does have a reasonably good run, obviously with GWS not a shorter final spot just yet in the next two weeks. Um, he averages 100.8 against Richmond and 99.6 against uh, Carlton. Uh, so there's a good runner form behind him too. Uh, he's definitely one that I'd be, I mean, I've already got him, but if I had trades and uh, I don't know, didn't have him, he'd be one that I'd be looking to bring in. Yep. He's not really a point of difference at 16.1%, mm. um, but there's still a lot of people that don't own him. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly right. Like at that price point, as you said, he's uh, he's super value. So I'd be uh, definitely looking at him, especially uh, if you're in the camp where you have Mills and you don't have Whitfield, that there is is bang. Just do the straight swap straight off the bat. Um, because like you said, he's got that uh, that really nice floor and that really high ceiling as well. As you know, he's a great user of the footy and um, rarely turns it over. So it's easy, easy points for him. Uh, moving on to a, another guy who was spoken about in length uh, at the start of the show. It's Marcus Bontempelli, uh, priced at 585.6 with an average of 122.7 and an ownership of 36.3%. And uh, yes, he's actually at the lowest price he's been at any stage of this season, believe it or not. Um, and Bont should be one you're considering if you have trades and don't have him in your side. As we know, uh, he can really pop off for just a, a massive score. Doesn't really take much in terms of... Um, he's, he's in the similar mould to Dangerfield. Doesn't have to have a million disposals in order to score 150 plus. Uh, can really turn the tide uh, when it comes to super coach with a single goal uh, or even a handball here or there <laughs> as it's turned out at times. So he is is one that you should get in your side. He's a great option to uh, really negate that advantage also of the 36.3% of the competition because if he does go big, you've uh, nullified the point of difference in your opponent's side. And if he stinks it up, well, you're covered by uh, your opponent's ownership too. So that is definitely something to think about and gives you a bit of a, um, I guess, a bit of a safety net in terms of that. In terms of his... I guess finished to the season he faces Hawthorne and Port in the next two so he could have a couple of big games especially with the home double chance on the line um, one thing to think about though with Bontempelli is uh, if you have a look at his scoring over the course of the season just as a bit of a you know so we're not uh, we're not saying it's all uh sunshine and rainbows no, it's, it's, it's not, not because uh, you have a look at his uh, three round average and his five round average it has dipped to uh, 115.3 for his three round average and five round average uh, is 110.6 and you have a look at his past six games he's been very much like a bit of a roller coaster because yeah. he's been 83 114 93 136 87 and 123 against uh, really varied opponents as well um, like a north he scored 83 gold coast he scored 93 Adelaide he scored 87 so it's not really uh, you can't really narrow yeah. it down to specific opponents the weekend he faces Hawthorne and uh, given that uh, that run of form could he potentially be uh, in line for a downer who knows but um, yeah that's just I'm a sort of a, a numerology and I love trends and stuff so maybe that's something yeah. to think about but I mean like we said if he does have a bit of a downer who cares because uh, that ownership of 36.3% is negated um by uh, by that, yeah. So I guess it's looking at the strategy of uh, of looking at what your opponents your opponent's side and seeing where you can 
I guess, nullify their advantages. I probably wouldn't bring him in if your opponent didn't have him because I think it's a big risk uh, with, as you said, the trend of his scoring. Yeah. Um, But you never know. It's also Bont. He could be in for (laughs) two massive games. Yep. Um, Moving on, we've got Dane Zorko, mid-forward, 523.6K, averaging 109 with an ownership of 36.1%, quite high as well. Uh, Similar to Bont, Zorko's dropped massively in price and is the cheapest you could get him uh, since round eight. So it's been quite a while uh, since he's been this cheap. At his higher ownership, the argument is the same for Zorko. Negate the influence uh, he has if owned by your opposition. Be mindful, though, of the influence of Lockie Neal. So Zorko did have his first score over 100 since round 17 last round, but that was without Lockie Neal in the side. So just one to, I think, consider consider mm. he does face the pies and west coast in the next two with averages of 102.7 and 92.8 against those sides with brisbane needing to shore up a top four spot maybe you know this could be some zorko magic and the lions captain just gonna have to stand up and yeah really stamp his authority on the game moving on to a, another option the last one that we're going to offer up for you guys and it is taron thomas uh as a forward priced at 490.9k averaging 82.4 with an ownership of just 1.3%. So uh, very much a pod in this case. He's another bargain basement option who's in some very, very good form. In his last three games, he's gone 108, 135, and 96 for a three-round average of 113. He's consistently had about 70-ish percent CBAs for the season across the year, but has really grown into that role in the last few rounds. He could really be uh, you know, one of the biggest pods, yeah. I guess, um, considering that uh, he's only in 1.3% of teams. Um, so yeah, if you uh, can ditch, I guess, an underperformer for him, um, that uh, that ups, I guess, the advantage that you get by trading him in. Also, and he's uh, he's finished the season. He faces Sydney and Adelaide, but uh, due to his change in role, it's difficult to look at his historical form against these sides, unfortunately. So, I guess, yeah, just going off the uh, the five round and uh, three round average mm. uh, is probably the uh, the best thing to go by. It's it's he's probably the most risky of the of all of them. Yeah. Um, but if you're in a again another do or die final, um, and you're really just looking for a bit of a bit of a edge on your opponent, um, you can. I don't mind Taron Thomas as an option. I yep. think he'll be an interesting option. I think as well next season. Mm, most um, definitely, depending on his positioning for next season, which we we don't know yet. Obviously, uh, obviously, neither of us have any trades left. So this is asking you what you're going to do is really yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, but what would you do, Damon, if you had one trade left, a single trade? If I had a single trade left, um, I'm assuming I will actually no, I'm not assuming because out of all those guys that were mentioned, apart from Taron Thomas, of course, with the uh, 1.3 percent ownership. I was going to say, I'm assuming that a lot of people have Whitfield, but he's only at 16.1% compared to like a Zorko at 36 and Bont at 36. So if I was in the shoes of someone who doesn't have Whitfield and has a trade up their sleeve, I would most definitely be bringing in Whitfield. Um, even if it's off the back of a short, he is one. Uh, I think he's in about 30, uh, 37% of teams so if I had short which uh, I think there's probably a likelihood that a lot of people do I'd be trading him to a Whitfield it's only going to cost you about 13k yep exactly right so you're not going to have to you know bank on having a lot of bank in this case no. so um, or even uh, even trading a May uh, potentially yeah um, like you mentioned you know he's scoring 
hasn't been the most solid. He's been scoring 92, 67, 62, 90, and then scored, you know, the out-of-the-box game 105 on the weekend. I'd even look to trade May to Whitfield, but uh, you'd be out of pocket there by about 51K or thereabouts. So, yeah, so you're going to have a bit of bank. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd look at uh, potentially trading a short to Whitfield because, yeah, if you're finding yeah. your, your, your prelim, if you're still in one, your opponent has short and they don't have Whitfield, I'd be looking to do that as a bit of a leg up. What about yourself? What would you think you'd be doing? I would be doing something very similar. I think of those four guys, it's probably Lockie Whitfield, number one for me. Dane Zorko, number two, because he has that DPP status. Yep. I'm not against Bontempelli. Yep. But higher priced, you'd have to be trading out like a... You're almost trading out a player that's actually going pretty decently to bring him in. Yeah. Um, Because, oh, you could probably bring in a Dangerfield if you had him in the midfield. Yep. Um, and you only have to spend about, what, 5K, 6K? Yeah, 6K, um, yeah. But I do like Taron Thomas, but he's a bigger risk. So yep. it's probably, yeah, Whitfield's the first one. But actually, just having a quick look at my side, if you had short but you didn't have Ridley, you could do a direct sideways trade and come out with 800 bucks. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. If you didn't have short, but if so you've had short, but you didn't have Ridley, that's what I would be doing because I think Ridley from the here on out would probably outscore short. Yeah, that's 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 probably a fair assumption considering that yeah that the Dons play the Suns on the weekend and then finish off with the Pies. Yeah. Um, and I mean he's only played the one against Gold Coast, but his score against them historically is 124. Um, so I mean, playing uh, a slightly different role to last year, but I I don't yeah. mind it. If it was between Short and Ridley, I think I'd probably lead slightly more to Ridley. Yeah. Um, but Lockie Whitfield overall um, yep. over both of those two. Very, very nice. All the best for those of you out there who have a, a trade remaining um, yeah. or two. Um, so, uh, yeah, be interested to hear what you do. But let's move on to the next segment. And it is, Liam, I'm the Capitan now. Look at me. I'm the Captain. Yes, in I'm the Captain Now, we bring you our top choices for the Vice Captain and Captaincy. We'll be discussing some of the key options and some that may even be a little bit left of field. Uh, I want to yeah, start this chat with just n- noting that we have no clue what the fixture is this yeah. round. Um, none of we know the players. We know, sorry, we, we're assuming that none of the games have changed, um, which I don't think they will because I think there's a few play- teams that haven't played each other yet still. Yep. Um, Essendon and Gold Coast haven't played, so they'd have to play. Um, to keep the integrity of the season going. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's the highest importance. It's, it's paramount when it comes to the AFL. Oh, they've, they've, uh, sorry, they've just confirmed oh. one match on Sunday. Okay. And it is the uh, <laughs> the derby or the derby, depending right. on where you're from. Uh, Frio right. and Gold, and sorry, Frio and West Coast on Sunday at 5.10. Every other match, who knows? It's up in the air. And just talking of the, the derby or the derby, however you want to pronounce it, Andrew Brayshaw's appeal has been unsuccessful in this week's game. Breaking news. Breaking news. She is. Okay, well, well, other than the Sunday game with Fremantle and West Coast, none of the other games have been confirmed. Uh, so we're just basing this off the top players that we would have as VC or C. Um, we'll, I guess, preface it at the end with who we would take... I guess, um, yep. where our top options for each without knowing when they're playing. Uh, so let's kick off with St. Kilda against Geelong. Uh, in that game, there's probably only the, the, really the one player that we'd be considering, and that's mm. Jack Steele. 
Average. I trusted him last year. I went early on him as well. You did. You did. And I don't trust him this year. Anyway, average in his last four, 104.25. Very nice with scores of 116, 86, 120 and 95. I wouldn't be scared off, I think, by those scores either, given he holds the second overall highest three-game average of 140.7 and the highest five-round average overall of 143.2. VC or C, either one um, for me. As I saw on the weekend firsthand, he is someone you can hang your hat on. Um, I likened last week to, um, you know, the the second serve in in tennis. You know, if you uh, your first serve, you you go a bit, bit more risky. Bits a uh, bit wider, uh, close to the line, uh, tighter angle, and if it doesn't pay off, then you go uh, a bit safer with the second serve, and that yeah. there is uh, it comes in the form of Jack Steele. So uh, hang your hat on him, but hopefully um, he's. I mean, doesn't matter, like you said, I guess. <laughs> doesn't matter when when they play because either or he's a is a VC or a C um, in either case. Because if you have him as a VC and he scores like he has been doing, you'll be locking that in, no doubt. Um, but let's move on to uh, the next option, and it is my boy, Sammy Walsh. Uh, Carl, yeah, coming up against Port Adelaide. He's average in his last three against Port. Now, I say three because he's only played three league matches against Port. He's 114 with scores of 144, 115, and an 83. And uh, unfortunately, though, he does come into the game under an injury cloud, having rolled his ankle in the closing moments of the game on the weekend. And uh, Carlton, or... More specifically, Andrew Russell. Rusty has come out. Jack Russell, as they call him, has come out and said that um, he is uh, looking to play this weekend. So uh, yeah. he had some scans. They didn't really reveal anything uh, major in terms of damage done. So, um, yeah, it just comes down to whether or not he uh, he pulls up sore or if Carlton, alternatively, want to wrap him in, in cotton wool considering the season is now done and dusted. Yeah, I probably wouldn't wouldn't be going with him. Um, even with that, that 144 came from earlier in the season. Um, I think it's a bit of a risk. Um, yep. But let's move on to the next game, Gold Coast versus my boys, this, the Dons. Um, Chalk Miller, first up, average in his last four against the Dons is 89.75 with scores of 65, 134, 89 and 71, which is obviously not the greatest average. Uh, but we all know the hot runner form he is in currently, highlighted by his three-game average of 137.3 and five rank five game average of 135 um i did catch the end of the uh the the game his game on the weekend and he looked in great form mm. um probably the first time i've actually seen gold coast play properly um this year um and yeah he really impressed me really impressed me um i think he'd be a great option uh there's no risk of a tag oh i would say there's no risk of a tag um Dylan Clark is back in the side. He is a player that in the past um, has had run with roles and quite successfully. I think Cripps is probably one of the big the big players that he, he did that to a few years ago. Mm. He's coming back from, I think it's his third game, back from a ankle injury, a pretty bad ankle injury that's kept him out for most of the season. So no, there's no guarantees that he does it, but I don't know, a little bit of, little bit of risk, but I don't think... I don't think it's a massive one. Um, yeah, 
I think I think is a good option still. Next option is uh, Darcy Parrish, uh, your boy. Yes, my boy. Yeah, average in his last four uh, is 99 with scores of 114, 80, 115, and 87. And his three-game yeah. average is 84.3, and five-game average is 97.2. Perhaps suggest uh, he should look elsewhere, given his form is slowing up in recent weeks, combined with that subdued form line against the Suns. Could uh, could go well, but um, I would probably, if I had him, be looking elsewhere. Yep, I wholeheartedly agree there. Uh, moving on to his teammate, Zachy Merritt. Uh, average in his last four against the Suns is 104.75, with his, which is scores of 137, 88, 102, and 92. His three-game average... Uh, is 120.7 and his five game average is 123.8 so he is in in pretty good form overall one that i'd consider if you had him um but again it's going to depend on the fixture as to whether i'd take him as a as a captain option um yep. it's really yeah it's, it's it's quite difficult doing this without without seeing the fixture yeah pure guesswork isn't it <laughs> yeah because if if i don't know there's lots of concurrent games that are that are, that are games where there's um players that play at the same time yeah Yeah. play at the same time or play really shortly like overlap yeah you don't know yeah so it's it's going to be we'll we'll give you our i guess three two ones of each for each player i guess yep we can even uh, maybe even list it on on twitter which is something we haven't really done um for those once the fixture comes out yeah want to find out um once the fixture drops but um in terms of guesswork there's no guesswork when it comes to uh one guy who uh, I'm going to mention from the top. I'm going to listen on the bottom there, but um, Clayton Oliver, just because I wanted to use that segue, <laughs> comes up against Adelaide, and his average in his last four. I remember remember you reading him out, yeah, on the given round that he played them last, and I remember you saying that you had to double check that it wasn't a typo because yep. his average in his last four, which has now been elevated or yep. increased against Adelaide, one fifty seven point two five. With scores of 204, 205, 122, and 98. So it looks like he's just worked into that form. Ah, gee whiz. He's just absolutely smashed the crows from pillar to post. His three-game average for the season is 136, and he has a 133 average over the past five. But with consecutive scores over 200 in his past two games against the Crows, speaks volumes. But surely they try and clamp down on him. We said this last time, and they they weren't able to. And he had arguably his best game of the season against the Crows. Can he do it again? Can he get the trifecta with three games against the Crows over 200 points? Well, based on on current trends, he should be 203, shouldn't he? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But... I don't know. Harry Schoenberg is the uh, the tagger clamped down on Parrish. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a similar mm. role against Oliver. So yep. I'm not saying that Oliver's not going to fight through the tag and not score well. I'm just saying that I don't know whether he's going to have that 204, 205 <laughs> <laughs> range. If he if, if he gets to a bloody hell, if he gets like in the 200s, average, yeah. imagine his next average. His, if, he, if he scores 200 on the dot, 182.75 of his <laughs> Oh, brilliant. But like, a, a, like surely the ideal scenario is they play early and that means EVC. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want here is Adelaide and Melbourne, yeah. which they won't do because they played on the, they played on Friday night, Melbourne, uh, on oh, Monday night. So they're going to have they a late, a late game. At, they, their Saturday would probably be there. The earliest, I think. Yeah. Earliest. Yeah. Otherwise most definitely Sunday. Yeah. 
yeah, I would be active for a Sunday game there, unfortunately. I think I think either way, like even if you do have to put the captaincy option on someone yeah. at that stage, surely you look no further than Oliver based yeah, on I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. But who, who else we got? There's a couple of other options, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. In that, In that game as well, I'll go to the opposition. Rory Laird, his average in his last four against uh, the Ds is 113 with scores of 123, 120, 111 and 98. He's also in some very solid form, scoring 133 in his past three and 125.2 in the last five games he's played uh, this season. So very, very strong. Um, he's not one that I've really VC'd mm. or seed, unfortunately, but... no. Um, I think there's better options, unfortunately, in this game as well, um, yeah. which I wouldn't be considering him. Yeah, nah. I'd, uh, I'd actually be considering there's another guy who's been a little bit up and down, but mm. uh, based upon his average and his lack of opponent he's coming up against, you would potentially uh, you have to factor him in. And it mm-hmm. is Max Gorn averaging in his last four against the Crows, 125.75, with scores of 124, 107, 158, and 114. And the big one is um, Rob otherwise known as Riley O'Brien, is going to miss this game, meaning mm. that Gorn is set to face an undermanned Adelaide ruck lineup. I don't even know who there would be Frampton. Uh, oh, potentially. If, would they bring him in as, as the uh, as the number one ruck? Yeah. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Now I'm gonna throw up another I don't know, curveball here. Yeah? Do you rest Gorn? Oh Luke no. Jackson's Luke Jackson's going pretty well. They, yeah. don't, they they need to win it, but like I don't know, Luke Jackson, just throw him into the rock, give him a game, give Gorn a bit of a bit of a rest. Yeah, I think I don't think they will. No, well, aren't the they Ds? They, they're trying to yeah, they gun still for a top to, two spot. Yeah, least. I think they're still they're still very much needing to to win as best they can. So I don't think I don't think it's a good idea. Um, I don't think their form line as well in recent weeks has been strong enough to to yeah suggest um, that resting a player teams a player is good. I'm not a massive fan of, of um, flirting with form, doing that no. in, in season. Um, but yeah, Gorn, like on the weekend, because last week he did us right over, Gorn. He only had, or at least good, good he did. He had uh, CBAs of 62%. Boom. And Jackson had, uh, he ended up having 38. So it rose from 12% to 38. Then it dipped a little bit on the weekend, went down to 23%. And mm. Gorn, elevated slightly back to uh, 77, but not quite to the heights of 88%. I wouldn't surprise me, though, if uh, if he went down to 62%, like he did a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Jackson went up to around about that 38%, yeah. 40% mark. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think they'll, they'll rest Gorn. I don't think they'll rest Gorn. But, yeah, you're totally right. They may rest him, I in guess, in-game, game, yeah. and play Gorn more up forward. Let's move on to the next game or potentially the next game, Hawthorne against the Western Bulldogs. Uh, Tom Mitchell uh, in this one, average in the last four is only 80.25, pretty low. <laughs> scores of 71, 79, 111, and 60. It's pretty, yeah, poor scoring history against the Dogs. I guess the complete yeah. opposite to Collingwood, who we played last round. Um, so that may, I guess, temper some of your expectations. However, his recent form does show the opposite, with an average of 131 over the last three and is and another 139 over the past five. So, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. It's a risk. Yeah. It's a risk based off past form, like past form against the team, but his recent, his current, you know, form in in the recent weeks is definitely worth 
captaining. I'd probably VC him if you could. Yeah, that uh, really scares me. I've, I'm just having a quick look as to why his average is so bad against the Dogs. Um, even back... When did he win the Brown? That was it 2018? He, Potentially? Yes. He's... Oh, my God. Looking... Because that season, he just smashed it. And I think his lower score was 72. Like, every other game was virtually like how he scored on the weekend against the Pies. There was a run of games from round nine all the way up to, well, I suppose if you're counting the, the finals as well, where they played the semifinal. But round nine up until the semifinal, he had 120 plus, except for that one game in the middle against the Bulldogs where he scored 79. And in that game, in 2018, he was tagged by Dunkley. So does he cop a tag here? Yeah, potentially. I mean... They didn't really tag either Merritt or or Parrish on the weekend, mm. but could it also just be an re- issue of, I guess, again, we're looking at McRae, Libba, Bont, potentially yeah. Dunkley, Bailey, Trelaw, all of these gun mids sort of running through the midfield, taking away points from Tom Mitchell as well. Um, yeah. I don't know. Western Bulldogs want to bounce back after last weekend against the Duns as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a risk. If you were gonna, yeah. if you really want to go him, I'd only do a VC or an absolute hail mary, and then just you'd have to accept the fact that you may get an eighty. Yeah, I would. I would probably be worried about. I'm trying to think like who who they've used as a tagger this season, um, but it, it obviously shows that they they do respect him and they pay yeah. him a fair bit of attention in the games that um, that they faced him. Yeah, interesting. That's but interesting. Um, let's move on to uh, to the Bont. And his average in his last four against the Dorks is 99.5 with scores of 161, 97, 67, and 73. So um, all hmm. over, pretty average apart from that massive blinder that he had. Yeah. Um, his scoring has slowed up with his past six scores featuring a downer every second week. Like I mentioned earlier, 83, 114, 93, 136, 87, and 123. Given that numerology trend, is he due for a score between, say, 80 to 90 points? Mm. Based off that that form line, so he's gone eighty three, good game ninety three, good game eighty seven. Is he in for a, a ninety seven? Yeah, that's true. No, that's very true. Eighty three, ninety seven, eighty three, ninety three. And see what you've done there. It's ten, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then eighty seven. Those trends. I don't know. Yeah, another ten. I don't know. Again, you'd think that he wants to bounce back, but might be a bit sore maybe maybe that that uh that, that tackle that he was involved in and the couple of free kicks that were that were granted to him he might um might be playing on his mind a bit let's uh let's revisit this let's revisit this maybe uh that we've looked into the crystal ball if he scores a 97 <laughs> you sir are a wizard and we and we do have to sell these crystal balls yeah if so it does i haven't happen. got the crystal ball with me so it is just purely based off my Ooh. own magical skills but wow okay um but let's see. Let's see. See what happens. <laughs> she scores 96, I'm going to cry. Um, <laughs> doesn't hold up, then. Doesn't hold up. That's a fail. Let's move on to the ball magnet, Jack McRae. Average in his last four, 107.5, with scores of 102, 127, 119, and 82. He holds the highest three round average of 143.7 and a five round average of 134.2. He's as safe as houses. Um, to be perfectly honest, he, 
ideally is your captain option. Mm. Um, it hasn't had a great form line against the Hawks, but I don't think that I, I think I would wouldn't read too much into that. I'd read more into the fact that he's got a good three and five round average. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, he's like the highest three round average. Yeah. I guess speaks for itself. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty massive. Like, like we've been saying, uh, the the back end of the year, um, the recent form line counts for more than you know the overall average of this throughout the season. Uh, that there stacks up. Looking at his scores in the last five rounds, it's one sixteen, one twenty four, one forty six, one thirty one, one fifty four. It's not like his average mm. is boosted by one massive, massive game. They're all kind no. of. Consistent. roundabout games but even then looking back to round 15 um it's 137 138 as well so they're all all by one of those games has been a captaincy or all by two of those games sorry been captaincy worthy games yeah with a 116 and a 124 the rest you would definitely back him in as captain mm. so i think he is as yeah the safest bet of the round like him uh, let's move on to, um, I guess, the last option that we'll throw up. There's probably a few more out there, um, depending on if you've got any left field ones, but we're trying to play it safe here. We're playing uh, playing, playing in the prelims, some of us anyway. Sorry, Liam. I'm yeah. sure I didn't mean Ooh. to do that. <laughs> didn't mean Ooh, to do that. That was hard. Um, but but uh, last option we've got for you is Jared Lyons uh, coming up against Collingwood, of course, TBC. His average in his last four against them is 108.75 with scores of 139, 138, a bit of a downer with 45, mm. but then propped up again with a 113. So um, on the weekend, he, he didn't really have that good of a game. Uh, just watching the, the scores tick over on the weekend, he had a really slow start and um, he actually yeah. just ended up having a bit of junk time towards the end of the game and that helped him. Yeah. But uh, apart from that, he probably would have ended up in my um, bad category because, um, yeah, that, that was one stage there where he was looking like he's going to score a 60. So, but yeah, given that, I guess he's average against the Pies, loves playing them. Um, he is someone, if you don't have any of the aforementioned players, yeah. Maybe look at him, yeah. but I'd, I'd probably look elsewhere. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not I'm not sold on Jared Lyons as your captain option. Um, so let's move on now. Damon, with absolutely no knowledge of the fixture, who yep. are you going with? I, I think I, I have to go with the, the tried and tested and true mm. man in, its, in himself, and it is the Man of Steel. Um, I'd be locking him in for the VC or the C. After him... Uh, I'd probably narrow it down to uh, to Clary, yeah, the pig Oliver. Uh, just you can't go past his average against the Crows. Um, and then if I was to throw up a third option, it would probably be McRae, just because he's been ultra consistent and reliable, um, like you saw firsthand on the weekend. Yep. Um, so yeah, those are my top three options. What about yourself? Yeah. So likewise, if I had Steel, he'd be in there. I don't have Steel, so he's not. Um, it's Clayton Oliver for me. McRae would ideally be captain. Um, I'd like to VC Oliver if possible. Um, and then I might even throw in a Zach Merritt. Um, yeah, okay. Just as a bit of a left field option. But yep. it's it's yeah very hard to say this with any certainty without seeing the fixture. Yeah. Um, so once once fixes drops, we'll we might put out a tweet. Yeah, check our check our socials, um, and we'll we'll put out some tweets about who will be VC or who our best VC and C options are. 
Yep. Um, for the round. Absolutely. And uh, let's move on to the Supercoach Edge group rankings. And the high scorer for the round was uh, Nathan with mm. a bit of a str- strange team name, Manhands. <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if he's referencing um, an ex-girlfriend potentially or mm. Manhands. Interesting. <laughs> but uh, he scored 2,592 and was ranked 24th nice. for the round overall nice. um, with that score. So very, very nice. But Liam, we don't even need a drum roll. We don't no. need anything to introduce this man because uh, he hit us up on Twitter, uh, as did um, the guy who is uh, is chasing his tail in Thomas from Dyslexia Untied. Um, and I love that team name, sorry. I don't know it's like my favorite. Oh, no, it's the best. It's really, really good. But um, Arthur hit us up on Twitter, and he both of the, both he and Thomas butted both of us up and said oh. we, we've got a really nice podcast, and they love listening. And uh, I think it was Arthur was saying that his rise to prominence came off the back of him tuning into our podcast. Ah, oh, lovely. So I might not even use that as a bit of a testimonial to, yeah. have to promote we'll our have podcast to get him, next season. Have to get him to say it. Uh, when we potentially chat to him if uh, Thomas from yes. Dyslexia Untied can't can't catch him. Uh, but, yeah. So but do, you, do you want to run through the scores? Yeah, so um, in terms of, I guess, so yeah, it goes without saying, he's the carryover overall leader. 14th round in oh, yeah. a row. Oh, gee whiz. He's just creating history. I know it's the first season of our podcast, but I mean, it's it's history being made, folks. I don't yeah, think this is ever going to be seen again. No, this is, yeah, this is this is a record that I reckon will be held for a, for a long time. Super coaches out there will be will be chatting to their grandkids saying, <laughs> I was there the day that Arthur of Black on White scored 14 rounds in a row, being the carryover overall leader of uh, the Supercoach Edge Group rankings. If he takes it out, it's going to be 16 rounds. Yeah, that's true. 16. Gee whiz, that's almost an entire... Se- that's uh, three, quarters three quarters of the season. Yeah, I'd say about three quarters. Yeah, close enough, yeah. Jesus, that's uh, he's doing well. But uh, his total score is 48,691. And his overall <laughs> rank, he's risen from sixth to fourth with a score of 2,494. So he is nice. going from strength to strength. And uh, I, I know I've called a weeks ago, but... Let's call it again. And I'm sorry, Thomas, because let me just let me just get up the tweets because he felt a bit bad. And Arthur from, uh, well, affectionately known on Twitter as Blackie White, he said, thanks for answering my question this week. This is for last week. Thanks for answering my question this week on the pod and the shout outs every week during the group ranking segment. And so replied with him saying, no worries, mate. We're barracking for you to take out the group. Keep smashing it. And then Babylon, who is uh, Thomas of Dyslexia Untied, said, no support for Dyslexia Untied. I see how it is with like the little sad emoji. And then I felt really, really bad. And I said, you've done well to charge home late, mate. You would be more than a worthy winner. We're just mesmerized by the sheer dominance of Blackie for 13 plus weeks in a row. Yeah. Crazy. Best of luck to both of you lads. And then he said, thanks guys. I reckon I... St- oh, no, sorry, it was, it was uh, Babylon. It was uh, Dyslexia Untied that said, thanks guys. I reckon I started to rise when I started listening to you blokes. Best super coach potty going around in my opinion. And then Blackie said, we're on a unity ticket here. Great super coach pod. The interview with super coach mama was some of the best content I've heard all year. So thanks guys. Now, speaking of super coach mama, she's still in first place. Yes, um, she is. By about what? Uh, 15 points. So she's 15 points in, in, 
clear of second. Um, Arthur in, on Black on White uh, is in fourth place, but he is 257 spots behind... Uh, mm. 257 points, sorry, behind Supercoach Mama. Uh, so it is going to take a, a pretty big effort in the last two weeks uh, yes. to, to make that. Um, so... But he's still he's so close, so close he to the top. So close, you can you can almost within reach. He's just yeah. just got to put his arm out and, and you can grab it. 128.5 points each round. Yeah, it's gonna but, be tough. It's gonna be tough. But I think I think as you said, 327 points behind, ahead of Thomas from Dyslexia Untied. I think I don't want to call it. I haven't called it all year. I don't want to call it. <laughs> I want to I want to keep some suspense here. But uh, I think I think uh, Arthur's got. Got one hand on the uh, on the ring. He's almost got like the ring on the, on yeah. the just the tip of his finger. So He's about to, to disappear in uh, one of the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Oh. oh, that's what we could use. We could roll it out. My precious. <laughs> <laughs> we need him to like, or we will Photoshop his face onto like Schmeagel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not sure that's that's too flattering, but um, oh yes, the precious ring is almost within your grasp, a wise one. <laughs> but I'm just trying to find uh, the prize money because if you finish top five, wait, there's a prize. <laughs> I was just doing it for the love of it. I just love love Supercoach. No, no, I found it. The number one ranked Supercoach player at the end of the home and away season will take home 50k. Second place coach receives 5k. Third to 10th get 1k. Oh, okay. So there's a bit of a bit of dosh on the line there. Yeah, so 10k. Yeah, actually they've released uh, Supercoach have released an article today oh. with a breakdown. They've said KFC Supercoach prizes free chicken, key rings, tracksuits, socks for top 11 and top 1011 finishers. Gee whiz. I got some socks and a hat last year. They've even got a, um, a KFC Sharon as well. Very nice. Ooh. And they've got uh, the KFC key ring and it's literally like a chicken drumstick. Oh, yeah. Uh, surely it doesn't come with a chicken drumstick. Or is that like, I don't know. I don't know if you can see it, but anyway, I'm being uh, sidetracked here. But uh, if you are lucky enough, just for, for those people out there who may finish in the top 1011, you get a $15 KFC voucher, a wicked, it is right. It's a wicked wing key ring. Oh. It actually looks like a legit wicked wing. Jeez, that, that makes me hungry looking at that. <laughs> uh, and you end up getting some socks as well. Yeah, I got they're, some they're socks. They're really cool. I'd, I'd be wearing them everywhere. Did you get the socks last time? Yeah, I got the socks. Got socks and a hat. Oh. And I think a key ring, but I don't think it was a... I'd remember if it was a chicken wing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wicked wing. Oh, that's amazing. Nah, it was not. Nah, it did not look like that. Did not look like that's that. That's cool as. But yeah, anyway, uh, getting sidetracked here, so... Yeah, so if you, uh, I don't know, somehow want to join the Supercoat Judge group code, it's <laughs> two weeks seven, ago, you can. 798296, and whoever ends up on top in the group at season's end will get their hands on the precious Supercoach Championship. <laughs> that wasn't from, me, actually. That was Arthur. That was actually Arthur chiming in. From the guys at Supercoach Championship rings, uh, absolute legends there, uh, the ultimate bragging rights, and we'll even have a have a bit of a chinwag with you in the final podcast of the season. So, I mean, it's, it's probably between Arthur of Black and White and Thomas from Dyslexia Untied at this stage. So fight it out, guys. Yeah, fight it out, you two. <laughs> like you're a bit of siblings. And just on the... Uh, if you are after your own precious... I'll just work that segue in. Your pre- precious ring. You can hit up... 
supercoachchampion.com and they still have valid the discount code uh, exclusive to uh, to you Ooh, um, good exclusive. folk out there. This discount code is SuperCoachEdge and you get 10% off the purchase of any of their range of SuperCoach Bling. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes also with a free... Sorry, it also comes with free express shipping. So uh, if you're after your own bling ring, you can check that out as well. So uh, head there and grab one yourself. Yes, yes, definitely grab one. Uh, but before we finish up, Damon, where can our listeners find us? <laughs> Should I do it in the schmiegle voice? <laughs> Please do. On Twitter, you can find us at supercoach underscore edge at demoj88, Liam Evans underscore 95. Actually, no, that's creepy. Uh, Facebook, Supercoach. Please keep going. Oh, okay. All right, my precious. (laughs) You can find us on Facebook at Supercoach Edge. On Instagram, Supercoach Edge as well, my precious. Or alternatively on email at supercoachedge at gmail.com. That was a a guest appearance from Smeagol himself. Thank you. He just Uh, gave me a high five when he's out the door. We couldn't get... Uh, Franco onto the episode, but he oh, yeah, his Franco. good mate Schmiegel to, to join us instead. I don't know where I think he met him at a local bar or something, Franco, and he's just like, "Oh, Schmiegel, come on the show." So, yeah, um, but yeah, might, I actually might hit up <laughs> hit up uh, Super Coach Champion Rings and see if they can get Schmiegel on. Like he's an awesome mascot. Surely mm. they'll they'll take him up on the. Uh, on the gig but um, anyway that's uh, that brings us to the end of the show probably longer than what we expected because yeah. we're just speaking absolute shit so uh, thanks, thanks for joining us thanks for, for keeping the rest of the episode through it with us <laughs> have a bit of fun I mean we've got to fill in the uh, fill in the gaps considering that uh, the fun in Supercoach is, is winding down it's winding yeah. down there's no doubt about winding it down. so the downward trend yes especially yes. if you're my team <laughs> I was going to say it but I was thinking to myself no you're going to say it yourself but no, come on. You're going to turn around. I, I know you're going to beat me this week. Yes, come on. Come on, my team. I don't know. Who's, who's been letting me down? Come on. I need to... I need Ron Marshall to have a big one. He will. He'll have a, he'll have a blinder. To have a, yeah, absolute blinder. I mean, they are facing... Uh, Geelong. Yeah, they can have a blinder. Maybe. I don't know. See what happens. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the vote of confidence there. <laughs> I'm saying with confidence, as I've said for the past three weeks, you're going to bounce back. Yeah, and and look how it's gone. Laura averages say that uh, you will bounce back. (laughs) Yeah, sometime next year at this stage. Um, Yeah. Wish me luck, guys. Wish me luck. Yep. But anyway, with that, all the best to yes. those of you out there who, um, whether or not you're in finals or not, or coming up against, um, I guess, uh, head-to-head rivals. Of some sort. Yeah, yep. of some sort. And you're still in it to win it in some way or another. All the very best in your prelims, yep. all that hoopla. And uh, we'll catch you next week. See you, guys. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.